Sports Radio 93.7, The Fan. Still recovering, Nick, from a uh, a late night Thursday night. But it was a good late night and a huge win for Pitt over West Virginia in the backyard brawl. Welcome to Panthers Insider. I'm Pat Bostic. We're here every Saturday morning, 8 to 9 a.m., all year long, talking Pitt sports. And this week, we're going to recap the backyard brawl, the return of the backyard brawl, the 105th backyard brawl, and it did not disappoint. We'll take your calls today, 412-928-9370. It's 412-928-9370. Calls, questions, concerns, anything you want to talk about, pit football related. I'm here for the next hour. And we're going to recap that game. We're going to, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of good. There was a whole lot of bad, and there was some ugly in that game from a pit standpoint. But in the aggregate, I'd say the game was uh, exactly what you would want for the return of a rivalry game like that. There were weird bounces. There were emotional swings. There were momentum swings. There were big plays. There were bad plays, and the crowd was into it. I think that game proved the the power of the rivalry, the power of bringing those two programs back together, and I'm all for that being the opener every single year if, if it works out. Um, obviously without the conference alignment of Pitt and West Virginia, there really isn't, there isn't, uh, you know, conference championship implications. So, you know, later in the season would, would be kind of a, an odd spot just from the standpoint of it would, it would kind of fit into that, you know, end of the season rivalry. But that, that again, when you're talking college football playoff and now an expanded college football playoff, which was announced yesterday, go move into 12 teams in 2026. That game can kind of get lost. It doesn't get lost on Labor Day weekend, I can tell you that. And uh, the 70,622 fans that were in were absolutely lit the whole night. So I love it. I love the game and certainly loved the result. I want to give a shout-out to PGT Trucking. We are presented by PGT Trucking. We're driven by Beaver County Automotive. And again, this is Panther Insider. Give me a call, 412-928-9370. We got a call already. Matt Matt from Charlotte, North Carolina. Matt, how you doing? Doing wonderful. Thank you for taking my call, Pat. And hail to Pitt. Hail to Pitt. Hey, you know, I was at the game there, and I've never been in a greater college football environment. I uh, live in the South now. My sons go to ACC schools. and uh, But, you know, I went to Pitt, and I'm a Pitt alum. This culture there Thursday night match, anything I've seen in some of the greatest SEC venues, and just the energy was amazing. So just shout out to all Pitt fans. But the, you know, the, the one of the questions they have around their defense is these these young linebackers. There was some there was some pretty ugly stuff watching those long runs. And do you think we can get our linebacker situation get these kids to grow up quick enough before the, the Tennessee game? Thanks. Thanks again. You got it, Matt. Yeah, thanks for the call. Um, I, that was that's part of the bad, and it, it Pat Narduzzi would say it's part of the ugly of this game. It was giving up 190 yards on the ground, and it was really 219 without sack yardage. I mean, there there were some gaping holes. The, the Donaldson kin for West Virginia, and I want to give them a lot of credit. They're they're a good football team. They're better than I thought they'd be. Um, up front, both sides of the ball, they they played hard. They're physical. Uh, they're going to give Big 12 teams a lot of problems, but. Um, no, there were just some fit issues. You know, I, one guy that, that did not play 
his best game in his first start was Bengali Kamara. You know, he was kind of he's that overhang outside linebacker, and a lot of times you know, his job is to you know once it's it's declared run is to fit back inside you know inside that defensive end uh, off the slot, and that's where that ball was bending back, and it was coming out the back door through that backside C gap, and he's gotta he's gotta you know be able to fit that fit that run because all flow is strong side and it was bending back, you know, to that backside C gap where he's got to fit and he's got to, he's got to be firm. And he was, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a lot of times in that football game. So I think, you know, again, uh, Pitt fans probably noticed that Brandon George didn't play. Um, hopefully he's on the mend. You know, got a little dinged up in camp and um, be interesting when he gets back. He's a, he's a veteran guy that's played a lot of football. Uh, Servasier Dennis w- was terrific. Uh, I thought Shane Simon made some plays, but um, you know, with Brandon George back, hopefully here soon, you wonder if if Servassier can't move around a little bit because again, you're going to play a lot of detached, you know, tight end flex teams where you're going to have that same run scheme, that that same you know kind of RPO bend back inside zone. That if you don't get you know a proper fit from that overhang linebacker, it's going to be a It'll be a long night for you, and it was a long night for Pitt stopping the run. Uh, there were times when they were really good, but but that one particular run, especially from that Donaldson kid, was uh, was a problem. It, w- it was a problem, and I agree on the atmosphere. By the way, it was it was awesome. But yeah, that's that's kind of the where I wanted to start was kind of the the ugly and the and the bad of the game, and and then go to positive here in a little bit. We'll go back out to the phone line. St- Steve from Cranberry, how you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing pretty well, Pat. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'd echo what the um, previous caller said. I've gone to pit games, you know, for well over a decade now, and I've never been in an environment in that stadium, Steelers or pit like that. It was just awesome. But uh, my biggest question, I would love to get a quarterback's perspective on this. From a fan's perspective, I thought one of the biggest things in Kenny Pickett's progression from his junior to senior season was just his feel in the pocket. He left a ton of clean pockets, it seemed like, early in his career. And he really, it seemed like, could keep his eyes downfield and kind of sense where that pressure was and move. Um, that's the biggest thing that concerns me with what I saw with uh, Slovis. I, there were several times where, whether he stepped up and didn't feel the defender behind him or was scrambling out and didn't know where the defender was, it seemed like he really just wasn't aware of his surroundings. I was just wondering your thoughts on that. Yeah, Steve, great question. Thanks for the call. Uh, I, I would agree. I mean, I think of the five sacks, which is part of the ugly in that game, um, can't happen. And uh, I thought two probably were on the O-line, um, O-line in the protection unit, and three I think were avoidable. The 14-yard sack is inexcusable, uh, particularly on first and 10. I mean, that is just a critical error. That That's a, that's a losing play. Um, but uh, I would agree that I thought WVU did a great job retracing. Um, I thought they did a great job when he would flush the pocket. Uh, they did a great job, you know, getting upfield, rushing past the quarterback, and then doubling back and making plays on him. But he's got to feel that. And I thought at times he flushed the pocket. He flushed the pocket unnecessarily. Um, and they did a good job in coverage. They play a match quarters defense, so sometimes they're going to match you up. But I also thought that, you know, there was a little bit of uh, you know him having to see it to believe it in that game. Until that last drive, you know, he's at his best. Keaton Slovis is a rhythm passer. You know, Kenny could could improvise and make plays, but Kenny turned into more of a rhythm, rhythm passer later in his career. And I thought he was just a touch late all night. And um, if you're a touch late, 
it means you're not only a touch late to your primary receiver, you're going to be even more late to your secondary receiver, and then obviously getting to your checkdown is going to be going to be even more difficult. And and obviously his time clock's got to operate faster. But you know, for for his stat line to be what it was, obviously he avoided a pick that was out of bounds. Fortunately, um, I thought that last drive, that 92 yard drive, was uh was excellent. And um, I think there's a lot of good football left for Keaton Slovis, and a lot he's going to learn from watching this tape here. Uh, over this weekend, that's another uh, part of the uh, the ugly, and I, I appreciate this getting teed up with um, you know the sacks and really the lack of lack of movement on the offensive line running the ball. I mean, Rodney Hammond was a you know was a six offensive lineman himself in that game, making plays. Um, I think Frank Signetti wanted to come out and find if they could pound the football and and move move uh, West Virginia off the ball. Credit West Virginia, the Stills kid's a great player. They were not able to do that. Not consistently, um, for that matter. But I think Frank Signetti might have learned a little bit, you know, about this offense, right? You know, didn't have Carter Johnson in this game, and um, you know he's a guy who's going to make a difference at tight end. Threw out a lot of six, seven offensive line sets, trying to impose their will, and you know perhaps um, they found out that that maybe they're a little bit more of a of a two tight end, maybe three wide receiver team than than Frank Signetti thought they could be coming out of camp. I mean, that's something you learn, right? You you, you never know. Whether your your success in camp is all all a product of one unit being really good and the other unit being really good too, but just just getting beat, or is it deficiencies that you know that that align that that you know, a strength against a weakness? Because I would not have thought coming out of camp that that Pitt's run game wouldn't be effective in this opener, and that Pitt's run defense would would be ineffective as well. Um, you know, it was uh, I thought that was good on good in camp, and it turned out to. To be, you know, a, a bugaboo uh, in that in that opener against West Virginia. Um, so run defense, run offense, and pass protection were were a concern, um, you know, for me in that game coming out of that game. And um, I think there there are a lot of parties that are culpable culpable for that um, as you look at the as you look at the tape, and including the quarterback. And there were some, you know, some miscues, uh, some alignment issues, some. Just some first game stuff that you're going to have. I mean, guys running the same route, um, landmark problems on deep balls. There, there's one or two. I mean, the deep ball to Mumpfield, you know, Keaton had to get – this is what people tend not to see. Keaton had to get that ball up early. He got smacked off of play action. And that ball that, that ball drops four yards from Mumpfield, you know, running under it for a touchdown. And then Bob Means had a deep ball that was uh, right in his hands. But, again, if you, if you notice the detail of it, he's running a post – and his angle's a little bit flatter than where Slovis throws the ball, so he's got to kind of track it over his left shoulder. He's running from left to right on a deep post, and he's got to reroute a little bit over his left shoulder. That makes it a very difficult catch, as opposed to having a higher angle and coming flatter, meeting the ball, uh, and going with your momentum. So, again, little, little details that can, can be big problems when you're trying to, to beat a good football team, which West Virginia with West Virginia was, um, you know, another just continuing this again. Love your calls four one two nine two eight ninety three seven. Another issue was, I, I thought the the obviously the block punt was was a was a disaster. Um, you know, and for the most part, I mean, Vanderhaar he's a he's a freshman. I know he's twenty five years old. He kicks with both feet. There's a lot of there's a lot of appeal and uh, and uh, intrigue there. For the most part, I thought he was fine. I mean, there. This is not going to be the prettiest punt in the world, guys. That's just—it's not going to be that. It's—it's a, it's a rugby style kick that's going to go end over end, and 
but he that's how he was brought up. That's that's what a lot of teams do. When you watch games today, watch it. You're going to see 50-50, maybe 60-40 rugby punt. Um, but that block punt, you know, you, you watch it. He took an extra step, which uh, Coach Narduzzi talked about after the game as being a – you know, artificial hang time. He can kind of feel the rush, and there were only three guys rushing there, only three guys rushing, and they and, and they had five in the block. So obviously there was a protection problem, but he got to feel that and get that ball out of there, and it, it, it creates a, a just a kick in touchdown uh, on a block punt to start the second half. I mean, that's one of the momentum swings that's easily avoidable um, coming out of halftime. Again, you're punting the football, but it's a 10-10 game at that point. And all of a sudden, you spot them seven just like that, and the momentum just flips in the entire place. So um, it, there, there's there's critical errors like that that against a good Tennessee team, which this is a good Tennessee football team coming in next Saturday on S- September 10th, 3, 3.30 kick at Acrisure Stadium. You, you can't have that happen. Absolutely can't have that happen and uh, needs to be improved upon. Needs to be improved upon. But again, I want to take this first segment to, to just kind of post-mortem this game. And it's not post-mortem. This isn't a funeral. This is a uh, celebration because it was a win. But you know, this, is what, this is what's happening down on the south side in the practice facility today. There's some, some real discussion about what happened and who, who we are. Moving from the ugly to the bad, I thought you know, the ball hit the ground too much in the game. You know, obviously, the bub means fumble. Terrific play, you know, catching that ball and getting upfield. But went to tuck it and just one of those freak deals that happens. Just slipped right out through his left arm. He came back later and made a terrific catch late in the game um, on the sideline on, a, on a, a contested catch. And again, has an opportunity to be a real big playmaker for this team. But uh, his fumble, Sebo Flemister went in there for one play and, and hit the ball hit the ground. And that was really the end of his night. Um, it, obviously, it's uh, that can't happen. And, and um, But the Panthers were able on, on their one fumble that was taken away to get it back and uh, we'll talk about that in our next segment when we go through the good component of of uh, the Pitt West Virginia game and the W and the legendary win that it was and obviously we can't we, we, we can't help but talk about you know guys that were dinged up in that game and um, obviously Deslin Alexander went out first in that first half and looked he went right to the tunnel looked to be you know an, an arm type of injury which he's had a He's had a shoulder in the past, and we'll see what, what the deal is with that. A, a two-time captain, but concern for him. Obviously, he's a, a playmaker, a consistent playmaker, and um, need him there. And then Rodney Hammond exited the game after the targeting call and looked like, if you watch the replay, looked like he really twisted his ankle up. So we'll hope for a good update on both of them uh, here next week. But we're going to go to a break, and we're going to come back here in the next segment. We're going to talk about the good. We're going to go positive. Here. We'll take a look a little bit around the ACC, see what's going on, some big games on today. Talk a little bit about that. We'll take your calls again, 412-928-9370. And then we'll preview the volunteers in our last segment. You're listening to Panther Insider right here on 93.7 The Fan. Panther Insider rolls on, Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Give us a call, 412-928-9370. We'll recap in the backyard brawl at 38-31. Pitt victory at Acrisure Stadium in front of a, a record crowd. A record crowd to watch a Pittsburgh sporting event. 70,622 fans packed Acrisure Stadium. And I don't know what was being reported about the split, but I would say it was probably like 73-27 Pitt, West Virginia fans. It was loud. I mean, that's my first good from the game was was the crowd. I mean, it was great. 
It was outstanding. Five false starts for West Virginia in that game. Critical false starts. And Pitt had one too. But five false starts is is that's a home that's a home field advantage if I've ever seen one. So kudos to Pitt fans for showing out and we'll need you next week. Again, a three thirty kick against Tennessee at Acrisure Stadium on ABC. You, you better be there in person. The other good I thought in this game was just obviously winning, but the the metal, the toughness to come back. I mean, there were seven lead changes in this game. Momentum was all over the place. It was back and forth, but there were times both teams had an opportunity to take a double-digit lead and didn't. And Pitt found itself with, what, six minutes to go? The 92-yard drive to tie the football game. Again, I, and I know Pitt fans you know, driving around or listening. In our mind's eye, we've seen Pitt lose this game a million times, right? You know, you don't win this game without belief. You don't win this game without solid leadership, a culture of, of confidence. And uh, I know that sounds cliche because it's, it's in hindsight, but there wasn't a person on that sideline that didn't believe they were going to win. And they found a way to win. And it was in the most, obviously, uncanny way. I mean, that drive, you look at that last drive for Pitt offensively. I'll bring up the play-by-play here. That last drive for Pitt offensively, again, down 31-24. 31-24, and they come out. And 6-10 left. Two rushes. Or completes a pass for six yards to Hammond on second down and eight from the 10-yard line after a two-yard rush on first down. Hammond gets targeted out of bounds and, and then exits the game. Did not return to the game on that drive. But takes the ball out to the pit 31 from the 16-yard line. Slovis completes a ball to Bartholomew, a a heck of a combat catch on first down. Sets up a second and one. That play was reviewed. Short rush to Abanacanda up the middle, and then he goes deep left on a comeback route to Mumpfield for a 20-yard gain. And he comes back, flushes the pocket. Mumpfield again for a 14-yard gain. And then he comes down. Pitt's knocking at the door at the 24-yard line. They, they effectively empty the set by Abanacanda taking a free release and running a little angle route off right tackle and does the rest for a 24-yard touchdown. So, again, Slovis is perfect on that drive, absolutely perfect on that drive, and marches his team down in a mere three minutes and ties the football game. And we all know what happened next. But, again, all the pocket in, you know insecurity at times, the sacks, that was a clean drive from start to finish. A clean drive, clean throws and catches, two-minute operation, and they go down and tie the football game and do it extremely efficiently. That's a great sign. That's a sign of a, of a winning team. That's a sign of a team that believes. And then there's obviously the next series for West Virginia, which, again, you, know, you, you, you rip off a 14-yard run on first down. So, you know, it's a tie football game, 341 left, West Virginia's you know, looking to march down the field, and they rip off a 14-yard run on first down. The stadium gets quiet fast. And then the the pick six happens. And, I mean, Bryce, you know, Ford Wheaton was outstanding all night. I mean, he had darn near 100 yards receiving. He was excellent. He had five combat catches, I think I saw. Fade routes. He was, he, you know, six foot four. NFL body. And this ball just goes right through his hands. Right through his hands. I mean, 
and then Devonshire. I can imagine the adrenaline running through that young man's body. Looked like he was shot out of a can- cannon coming back. I mean, f- just fast. And right into that student section, and the place was shaken. But again, that doesn't happen. You don't have that opportunity if you don't go 92 yards in the prior drive. The momentum swing. And then obviously, you know, you look at that play being the play that, that everyone will remember from that game, that picture of MJ making that play in the end zone, celebrating with his teammates in the student section there. Well, that'll be on the wall somewhere, probably multiple places. But again, to be down seven, come back and go win that game the way they did, and then close it out on the last drive. I mean, West Virginia made some plays again. Can't count how many times Daniels was under duress getting just smoked in the pocket and the ball just flies up in the air and they catch it. Happened, it happened from, the, I think, the six-yard line or something early in the game. I mean, Pitt was close to getting to it. Ended up with three sacks. But, I mean, again, another play that I, I, I go back to, they're, they're really the, the good plays in this game defensively because there was, some, there was some poor play defensively. Obviously, the run defense was not good enough. But some plays in this game, you know, Marquez Williams, after the, after the Bub means fumble, Marquez Williams, they throw a, a stack bubble screen, and Marquez Williams, who's not a big guy, takes the blocker and just literally throws him, just bench presses him back into the receiver and pulls his right arm out and rips the football out. Recovered by Alec, Eric Hallett. Huge play. Huge play. You fumble at that point in time. At that point in time, I think it was a tie football game or maybe Pitt was down seven. I'm trying to remember all this. Two fumbles in a row. Yeah, at that point in time, Pitt was down 7-3. That could be a 14-3 game. You force a fumble. After you fumble, you're going to tie the game. You're going to to take a lead, rather, 10-7. And fumble, and then two plays later, boom, you get the ball back. Huge, huge play. And you go back to that last drive of the game. And again, your best players, your leaders, have to make plays in in, in situations where you need them. West Virginia starts to move the football. He starts to move the football, and it's, what do we got? First and 10. I'm going to the Shavassier Dennis sack is where I'm going. Absolutely huge sack by Shavassier Dennis on first and 10 at the pit 22. 10-yard loss. Shoots a gap unblocked. Not even sure if it was a call blitz. Just instinct. And corrals Daniels for a 10-yard loss. Again, that, that, that comes after on the heels of a 32-yard completion to the tight end. A beautiful throw rolling out to the right. Momentum. Here comes West Virginia coming down to tie the game. Servasier Dennis makes a play. Absolutely critical moment. And then they come down, and obviously it has to come down to the ball hitting the turf at the end. Which I know Neil Brown protested that, but that ball hit the ground. Talking about this West Virginia game, 412-928-9370. Take your calls here. We'll look ahead here in a minute, but just kind of going the good, the bad, and the ugly, running the gamut of this game. There's so many moments and so much to clean up. Again, I, I hate to harp on the negative, but, you know, you, you look at the game and the personal fouls. Baldonado with a, with a taunting foul. I've never in my life seen a – Defensive cut block, but they called that on Marquez Williams. I think he actually slipped and ended up kind of 
on the ground and the guy fell over him or whatever, but that's a 15-yard penalty. There was a third and seven earlier in the game. There ended up being a um, a defensive delay of game, pitch shifting at the line of scrimmage, and apparently it was it was too violent and quick of a movement. They do this a lot, by the way. They they move right around when you're going to snap it, and it's certainly. I mean, there's a there's a means to an end there. They're they're getting to the position they want to be in, but there's also some deception. But third and seven to third and two, and they ended up picking it up by by the nose of a football. Much different situation, third and seven, third and two, another critical moment of the game. So those those types of penalties and pitting the game in the penalty department not was not clean enough. Not clean enough. Have to be cleaner, have to be better. But again, week one to week two, always the biggest improvement for a football team. And to come off a win, and to do that coming off a win against a rival it sure tastes a lot sweeter. We'll move on, though. We'll talk about, kind of go through the ACC schedule this week. We get a chance to watch some games this Saturday. Virginia Tech went down to Old Dominion for the second time in four years last night. Not a great start for the Brent Pry era. A lot of turnovers down there in Blacksburg. And we'll talk about Tennessee. We'll do that when we come back right here on Panther Insider. You're listening to 93.7 The Fan. Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan, Panther Insider. We're closing out this Saturday morning, college football Saturday, and we're going to close out in style with Ron from Whitehall. Ron, how you doing? Uh, I feel that the uh, offense needs to be better. It seems that the uh, the game plan was to run, 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 and it became apparent after the first couple series. Uh, they can stack the box. You can't be that predictable. You have to keep them off guard. You have to keep the get, uh, defense guessing. And I think that uh, that that was a big problem. Uh, I I don't know the, all the statistics, but it seemed to me that they ran the ball about ninety percent of the time in the first down, and maybe sixty percent on second down, and uh, that that's not going to do it. You have to be more diversified and have a better game plan than that. Now I realize it was the first game, but uh, it, that offense was so generic that it was pathetic. Ron, thanks for the call. I, um, like I said earlier, I think uh, Frank Signetti uh, learned a lot about his his offensive unit in that game, and what he wanted to do going into the game was see if they could run the football and establish the run. And they tried to put six and seven offensive linemen out there, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't effective. It wasn't effective until Rodney Hammond went in there and. and some of his runs came out of 11 personnel with three wide receivers. So I, I would agree. I think, you know, the personnel groupings, you know, having Carter Johnson back, the, the, a true second tight end they can feature in the passing game. I expect this offense to evolve from week, week one to week two. Uh, but obviously winning the football game, putting up 31 offensive points, um, surely good enough to, to you think, would, to win a game. But, again, a lot, a lot to clean up, a lot to improve upon, and we'll need to do so facing a very good, very, very good Tennessee football team that's, again, looking for revenge and looking in year two for Josh Heupel to, to take a step as a program in the Southeastern Conference. we got another call. Who we got? Freddie from West Reading. Freddie, how you doing? Good morning, Patrick. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing great. 
first of all, I'd like to congratulate you on a great job on Thursday night. We listened to the cast, and it was pretty special to us. Thank you. Thank and, you very uh, much. Hail, hail the pit. Hail the pit. Uh, I love uh, watching uh, Pat Narduzzi in the post game. I think he tells it like it is. I love the fact that he gave it right back to ESPN because the crowd was absolutely incredible. We wish we could have been there. Well, we'll see you today. Freddie from West Reading, yeah. thank you for the call. That's my father-in-law, by the way. How about that? How about him calling into my show? Freddie is what I call him because he's a freeloader. So Freddie the freeloader, he calls me that too. So he does. Lo- he's become a Pitt fan, which is tr- tremendous. His name is Bob Reese. He was a uh, heck of a basketball player at Mount St. Mary's. And when I heard Freddie from West Reading, you should see the smile on my face. Let's refocus here. That was good. That was great. Tennessee, the Volunteers. We got another call? Nick, who we got? Jake from Brentwood. What's up? Hey, what's up, buddy? Good morning. How are you today? I'm outstanding. How you doing? Doing pretty good after that pit win, baby. Let's go. Hey, uh, if Pitt gets through this tough test next week, what, what do you think their chances are of running the tables with that defense? I, like you said, I, I think they're going to be 100% improved. Although, that West Virginia offense, I don't think people are going to give them credit. They're going to have a pretty good year with that quarterback, J.T. Daniels, and uh, that receiver, uh, something Ford. He's pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah, Ford Wheaton. Yeah, no doubt. I, I mean, this is a big one, I think. I appreciate the call, Jake. Um, looking at the rest of the schedule, you know, winning that game against West Virginia, I think, obviously makes makes this uh, makes this um, game against Tennessee, obviously, a huge opportunity, but... Yeah, I mean, you could say it's one you don't have to win, but you'd love to win it. Um, you would love to be 2-0 and and have a crack at the top 10. I do think West Virginia is better than, than anticipated. I watched a little bit of Western Michigan last night. They hung in that game with Michigan State for a long time. The Salopec kid from, uh, I think he went to North Huntington, uh, played at Norwin, actually. Um, good player. Obviously, they're replacing a lot, lost Sky Moore, but they played tough you know, in East Lansing, so... That'll be no cupcake up in Kalamazoo in, in, in two weeks. And then you head off with Rhode Island and then ACC play. So, I mean, you know, Pitt's going to have a chance to win every game they play. Now, whether they're favored next weekend or not, I wouldn't be surprised if they were a home underdog to Tennessee, putting up 59 points against Ball State and an SEC opponent. But you go win that game, I think, again, you're, you're in prime position to, to make a heck of a run through the month of September and October and – get to the meat of the schedule uh, late late in November. But, again, as we look at the ACC, and, again, that's where we're looking ahead a little bit. We look at the ACC. Duke won its opener last night, played Temple, handled them 30 to nothing. So they're, they're off to a better start this season. Again, a new era for them. You look at the games on slated for today. Not a huge test for NC State with East Carolina. East Carolina's not as good as they once were. That game is in East Carolina, in Greenville. That's a noon kickoff. Rutgers at Boston College, noon kickoff for Phil Dracovic and the Boston College. Eagles, see if they can um, see how they do without Frank Signetti. See how Dracovic does. Hopefully he stays healthy. He's a heck of a player. Big game on ESPNU at noon, North Carolina App State. App State's really good. A good football team, consistently ranked. And we'll see what Drake May and the Tar Heels have. You know, they, they had a little bit of a dogfight with Florida A&M early, and Florida A&M had a, just a 
they were in that was disaster mode for them. They had twenty guys ineligible. AJ Davis, former pit running back, scored in that game. They ended up pulling away late, but we'll see what North Carolina has on the road in Boone, North Carolina against App State. Tony Elliott era kicks off for UVA, twelve thirty kickoff in Charlottesville against Richmond. We'll see Brennan Armstrong back at the helm. See how this offense evolves and see if they get better defensively. Miami's got Bethune Cookman at three thirty. And then an ACC matchup, Louisville at Syracuse, the JMA Wireless Dome. How about that one? JMA Wireless Dome. So, Akershire doesn't sound too bad now. JMA Wireless Dome, which that's going to be a tough one too, not calling that the Carrier Dome. Um, 8 o'clock kickoff on the ACC Network. Malik Cunningham, see what Louisville has against, again, a Syracuse program under Dino Babers that just hasn't seemed to – had that one year, but hasn't seemed to get its get its sea legs. And then some big games on Monday, on Sunday and Monday. Florida State at LSU, which the game's not in Baton Rouge. It's in New Orleans at the Caesar Superdome. Florida State, again, big opening win. But the, fright, the fighting Brian Kelly's and his accent open up their season in a neutral site game. And then... Another neutral site game, Clemson and Georgia Tech in Atlanta. So you would think it's a home game for Georgia Tech. But the Clemson Tigers, the number four ranked Clemson Tigers, open up on ESPN on Monday night against the Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech. So we'll see if Clemson's for real. It would be interesting if they get up in that game to see that young quarterback behind DJ to see if he gets some action because I think he's a guy that will play this year. Um they expect EJ to make a step, take a step. Certainly that he needs to. He was he held them back a lot last season. Um but again, they've they've got some depth behind him. We'll talk about Pitt Tennessee now. Again, watch Tennessee play, watch their game against Ball State, 59-10 victory. They were up 38-0 in that football game. They return a lot. Obviously, it starts with Hendon Hooker, their quarterback. Year 2 for Josh Heupel. Offensively, what you're going to see is a lot of what West Virginia did, a lot of RPO-type stuff. They're going to spread you from sideline to side. They're going to line guys up three yards from the sideline, and they're going to try to single you up. They've got some big play receivers. Cedric Tillman's in, uh, you know, in the mold of a Bryce Ford Wheaton, six foot three, 215. They're going to throw the ball up to him. They've got two tailbacks back. Jabari Small obviously was a guy that, that – had a great freshman season last year, or, or excuse me, sophomore season last year. He's back. They returned four-fifths of their offensive line, a group that was experienced last year but gave up 44 sacks, which is a, a, a lot of sacks. Um, they, got, they got their offensive line back, and again, with Hooker at quarterback, a guy that can throw it and run it. He didn't really run it against Ball State, didn't need to. Uh, he gave Pitt a lot of problems in that second half. And that was a game last year that Pitt could have very easily been down 21 nothing in that game. I mean, it was uh, between the, the muff kickoff and block punt and all the things that happened in that game. Kenny Pickett dug him out of a hole. The play to, in the end zone to Melky Stovall. Melky Stovall in the back of the end zone to get, it, get that game back within reach. And then he just made play after play. Jared Wayne down the middle of the field. Very similar running catch to, to what happened the other night. That guy continues to make plays. But is Keaton Slovis going to be able to, to, to carry that torch? Because he's going to have to play well. They're going to have to throw the ball more than 24 times. They, threw it, they attempted 29 passes. He was sacked five times. So 
the run-pass breakdown was actually more even than the stats would indicate. Uh, Chris Peak put that out very, very smartly. It's the stats get warped by the sack, sacks going as rushes. But man, I don't think you're going to be able to line up with six, seven offensive linemen and move these six, four, six, five, three hundred twenty-five pound defensive tackles for Tennessee. I mean, they've got some big dudes in there. They got some Reggie White looking guys. Now they're not Reggie White, but they they look like him. They're, they're they're talented, and they're they're athletic. That's SEC football. So you're going to have to spread it around. You're going to have to be I think a little bit more diversified in your approach to to get to to move the football down the field. Still got to run it, but may run it a couple different ways and and try to spread guys out a little bit and create a little bit more of a cleaner look for Israel Abana Canada to run the football. But Slovis is going to have to be on point because that's what's going to take to win this game. Uh, I'm excited about this one. I think you know this is a you measure a team right from. Week one to week two is supposed to be the biggest improvement, but you know you have to also take into account who they're playing. These are two Power Five teams. I think a West Virginia team that's better than people uh, gave them credit for, and I hope that bears out moving forward because they they again had every right to to compete and win that game on Thursday night. But moving on to uh, I think a a better football team in Tennessee, and I can promise you this: I, my one prediction for this game is if it starts like it did last year, Pitt's going to have a hard time winning the game. They don't have the firepower. At least I haven't seen it yet that was in that offense last year in the passing game. And I think it's it's going to take it's going to take a I think they'd like to win this game a little bit differently this year and to get into a shootout would be not the style they want to play, but I think they're they they could be capable of keeping up. But it's going to be important to get Slovis into a rhythm early and keep that defensive line for Tennessee at bay and and keep them on their heels, but we'll look forward to that game. I'll be on the air 8 to 9 a.m. Saturday morning. We'll have some Tennessee guests preview the game. Panther Insider will be live next Saturday, 8 to 9 a.m. Kickoff again, 3.30. We'll be on pregame at 11.30. This is Pat Bostic for 93.7 The Fan.